I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Good afternoon. Congratulations, listeners. You have a Craig Custance free week of the Tuesday show on the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm Sean Gentile. We have a major upgrade here. Craig's out doing, in all seriousness, he's doing things much more important than bullshitting with me about whatever it might be. Super Sub is in is on the case, though. We got Jeremy Rutherford. He's our blues, our blues beat writer. He owns that. Wonderful dude. Nice enough to wake up at 8.52 Central Time uh, to record this nonsense with me. JR, what's up, buddy? How you doing? <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good Good to talk to you, Sean. And this is not a major upgrade whatsoever. In fact, if it wasn't for Craig, uh, I wouldn't be here talking to you at The Athletic. <laughs> I remember reaching out to him and saying, hey, Craig, if The Athletic comes to St. Louis, uh, give me a buzz. Yeah, let me and know. <laughs> phone rang about six hours later. <laughs> yeah, he... Uh, I think he was he was working the phones quite a bit back then. <laughs> he had a lot of he had a lot of phone calls. I'm like, nah, man. He, he's a uh, he's the greatest. I bust his I, I bust his chops a lot, but whatever. We're here. We're here. We're here because of him. I guess. Thank you, Craig. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, kind of a slow sno- slow night last night, right? I feel like there weren't a lot of games. It makes sense. They wanted the hockey Hall of Fame ceremonies, all that to kind of unfold according to plan obviously i had 
Jerome Aginla and Marion Hosa and Kim St. Pierre and Doug Wilson. And who else am I forgetting here? I know there's somebody, Ken Holland inducted, inducted last night. Uh, we've talked about a lot of these people, I think at length on the show or on the site in one way or another, Aginla in particular, right? We had a lot of really great stuff go up over the last couple of days. Uh, Eric Tehachik had some, had something really nice over the weekend and Haley Salvian just had a monster, 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 uh, that, yeah. did you, did you say, like, I, I was talking to her as she, as she was working on it, I, I had a feeling it was going to be good. It was just 20 kind of interesting bits, kind of untold stories about a Ginla from, you know, guys like, guys like, uh, Jason Strudwick and Craig Conroy and some, some of his friends, you know, from growing up it was super, super duper interesting, a lot of fun and could definitely, you know, capture that better than we can. Uh, Jared. She didn't ask me for my. Uh, she didn't ask me for my Aginla story, but I get it. What to is you. it? Oh my god! I I, I know what I, I like. I was about to gloss over it too. What is it? Let's go. No, it's 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 just something. <laughs> uh, just something I never mentioned. It you know being the blues beat writer, you're up in Calgary, you're at the Saddle Dome, which by the way, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite arenas ever to cover a game. Look, I know it's run down, but it's just a great place to be. And so anyway, I'd be wait, up. In okay, the press so, uh, so so wait a second. You're you're a catwalk guy. You're in favor. I did do it one time. I did do it. And I actually did it on, it wasn't FaceTime, but it was uh, something along those lines where you're doing a live recording. Mm-hmm. And, and I told blues fans, hey, follow this. I'm going to walk this catwalk. And they were freaking the whole time. That's like, uh, I don't know why I always think of Laz with that. Like Mark Lazarus is the one who who's like, I feel like every time he, every time he goes to Calgary, he ends up posting, posting a photo or a video of him doing the catwalk walk i don't know if he likes I'm, I'm sure he likes the attention he just likes he, he likes making people think that he's in mortal danger when he's covering <laughs> when he's when he's covering a hockey game right but no i, I yeah. that's awesome i didn't know you had an againla story let's roll well it's not really a story it's just so much that uh something i've never said and i guess i have to admit this is uh you know when you're a beat writer for a team like i've been for the blues for years you, you don't root for the mm-hmm. team but you understand that you cover a team for a fan base that is just bonkers for the team, right? Mm-hmm. And and so anyway, I'd go up to uh, the press box up there by that catwalk, and it was freezing. I was cold. And I'm not one to complain about the cold. Look, you're at a hockey rink. That's right. what you do. So that's what you do. But anyway, for those who haven't been to the Saddle Dome, the Flames have, believe it or not, a flame that <laughs> goes off whenever the team <laughs> no. scores. <laughs> and so anyway, I'm like, uh, I'm thinking to myself, Sean, man, it's cold and this coat's just not doing it. Hey, again, you think you could pump one in? Because whenever they scored, that's when they let the flame oh, out. That's and perfect. So, so anyway, uh, I was thinking it'd get some heat. So I was always kind of pulling for a Ginla to, to put one in and uh, I'd kind of toast up, warm up a little bit. That's perfect. He came through more often than not, I would imagine. Yeah, not Blues fans hate me. <laughs> he was, uh, God, he was one of those guys, you know, I was, I was born in 1986, you know, so him entering the league dovetailed directly with me turning into a, a big time fan. And he was always one of my favorite players. I remember watching him when I was nine or 10 or whatever it was And his career lasted long enough and played out in such a way where I was in Pittsburgh working by the time, <laughs> by the time the Penguins traded for him. And he was like, other than Yager, um, I guess that was really about it. He was one of the few guys that I was around in a locker room and it was just like, ah, holy, holy shit. I'm standing, I'm standing next to Jerome again. And he's just like, I mean, his niceness is legendary, right? That's what so many of these stories kind of boil down to is that he's just a super genuine, friendly, like nice dude. But man, after, after they traded for him, yeah, I was, uh, I was starstruck a couple of times. It was like, you know, 
Nike's, I mean, I obviously wasn't a Flames fan. He's Nike's necessarily a childhood hero of mine, but it was just one of those things where you're like, holy, holy cow. So to see him get inducted last night, uh, along, along with Hosa, those were, those are two guys that I feel like I kind of, I kind of grew up watching. It was a, it was a wild, a wild, a wild experience. Cause like, again, we're all, we're all getting older. We're all reminded of it in one way or another every day. Yeah. But, but last night, last night was a good one. And now I know, gosh, dude, I, I know, I know you've got some, you watch, you watch Marion Hosa play a lot of hockey over the years in, in those blues and Blackhawks matchup. I'm sure you got some, sure you got some stuff to spill about him too. Yeah, Sean, just watching those Chicago teams, so good for so many years. The three cups and with Hosa, you know, awesome to see him finally win a cup. And, you know, in, in St. Louis, uh, there was so much hatred for the Patrick Kane and the Jonathan Taves of the world that you didn't pay a ton of attention to Hosa. And, and like he wasn't a villain necessarily, right. but but it was, I think as you watch those games, you're like, gosh, how can a team have that, have, have so much talent? Like you get these core guys like Kane and Taves and obviously Keith and, you know, uh, Crawford and, and, and Nett and then Hosa. It's like, you know, now you're talking five, six stars deep. And so the big body, the skill to drive the net, uh, just a phenomenal player. And I voted for him last year when we did that Hockey Hall of Fame uh, vote for the athletic, the mock mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, not the real one, but uh, well-deserved, great class of Ginla, Hosa, and, and the rest. Oh, God. Yeah, it was, I, I forgot to even mention the the mock hall exercise that we, that we put up, that was a, that was a Duhachik led, a Duhachik led consortium of people who were voting. Who, who are, who are our picks? We, we put in McGillney. I'm, I'm going off memory for this now. We put, we put in McGillney, both Sedins, uh, Caroline Willette, Jennifer Bottrell and, and Herb Carnegie. Did, was that, did you have anybody else on your ballots? Cause I, I, for the men, I had those three guys and then, and then, uh, and then Daniel Alfredson was my fourth. Did you have anybody else mixed in there? No, no, I just uh, went with the three. I mean, there were so many other mm-hmm. good players uh, with uh, Zetterberg. Uh, you could go Alfie, Alfredson. Uh, you know, you could go a number of different ways. Y- you know what? I-, I realize I might look a little biased here in St. Louis, and maybe he's a guy who's just on the outside looking in. But, mm-hmm. you know, Keith Kachuk, I felt like, uh, you know, 33 in the league in goals. I think he's 14th in power play goals all time. And and so anyway, um uh, he was you know, not, he was number one in goals by an American for a while until yeah, and games, just dominated the game yeah. at that position for a stretch. And so anyway, just my two cents on Keith Chuck. I didn't vote for him this year, but uh, I, so I just went with the Sedins mm-hmm. and McGillney, and and so that'll be you know for this upcoming class, uh, last night's class that we watched on TV. That was the class that got postponed because of COVID. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with that four person limit on these, on these classes, right? Like that was my thought as I was going through the ballot was, you know, okay, you got the McGillney's, you got the Sedin's, you know, guys who I would put in just because of the nature of the hall of fame, it seems like it's expanded over the last 10 or 15 years. Like I think Alfredson should be there and that Sergey Gonchar should be, be in there. And I think that, I think that Keith Kachuk should be in the discussion. I mean, there's like eight or nine guys on this list that you're like, we could make a pretty, a pretty credible case for, right? So yeah, it was a, it was an interesting exercise. I do not envy the people who have to, who have to, uh, who have to do that for real. Um, but the other, the other big tech takeaway last night from the, from the hall ceremonies, and this is the way, the way, (laughs) the way it's going to work for the foreseeable future. I think not, not a surprise. We had the, we had the Bettman, Quasi mea culpa. Uh, he said all the right things about Kyle Beach and the Blackhawks. Probably a couple, 
a couple weeks late, right? Like he's, he, you know, he, uh, he showed a little bit more tact and a little bit more grace and, and a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, empathy, um, last night than we did, <laughs> than we saw from him in that presser. So I know people are talking about that and I don't know. It was one of those things you sort of, sort of roll your eyes at because it's like the damage, the damage is done. I, I think, I think he, I think he kind of showed us what, showed us where he's at on that overall but yeah I, I i don't know i don't know if you have any thoughts about those about those comments or what we're supposed to do with this moving forward i, I don't know if this is going to be like a discussion point for at league events for the next how for the next however however long but i don't know how much more i need to hear from gary bettman on it at this point yeah yeah Sean. no i watched the presser you know a couple of weeks ago and i kind of thought the same thing i mean you wanted to believe that there was some empathy there, but the words just weren't used. Mm-hmm. I don't believe a couple of weeks ago. And gosh, you'd think that with all the, you know, damage control subjects that the league has had to go through over the years, and especially during Gary's tenure, that that would be a situation. Hey, this is something we have to <laughs> say the right words mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and and they didn't come out. And so, in reading what he said uh, yesterday, you know, it sounds like the words were there, probably just a couple of weeks too late. Yep, we've talked about it at length. I've gotten mad about this <laughs> on the podcast already. I don't, I don't need to. I don't need to drag anybody through that again. But yeah, it's a little bit of too little, too late. Like it's it's better. It's better that it happened than it didn't. But you know, the damage is done from a from a PR standpoint, from a human standpoint. Like whatever. So you hear that. You hear that last night. And if you're me, it's tough to tough to do anything but but roll your eyes at it. Um, yeah, and, and just let's keep this in context for one second. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Like, Even if he would have said what he said uh, last night, if he would have said that a couple weeks ago, I don't think that they would have, you know, lack of a better phrase, won anybody over or mm-hmm. got more people believing that they were heartily, totally. you know, ready to accept things. But but I think that it would have helped. And so, yeah. But well, if he says you, can always, ago, you can always read statements like that, right? It's easy. It's easy to do. You know, at a podium at the at the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions, where you know you're not going to have to answer questions about it or expand on it or whatever, and it really wasn't that far off from what we saw from him a few weeks ago. The words were maybe a little bit more, a little bit more uh, wisely chosen and whatever else. But where the damage happened in the press conference last year, last last month, was when he started answering questions, right? And, and he and that was when he started talking more. That was kind of when he got in trouble, and that was when he said a lot of a, a lot of stuff that either pissed off a lot of people or hurt a lot of people. So didn't have to worry about that last night. It's easy to say all the right things in that in that sort of context, but whatever. He didn't make it worse, and that's and that's not wasn't something he, he could have said after that presser. So uh, whatever, I guess, <laughs> I guess we can we we can we we can move on. Um, I want to talk about the Anaheim Ducks. I feel like we've been kind of giving them short shrift. We had a we had a bit about Troy Terry last week and and the week before that because we've been talking about his point streak as as it's been you know Troy Terry's at eight games Troy Terry's at 11 games Troy Terry's at 14 games well that's where he is now they've now won seven straight uh I haven't I haven't seen enough of them over the last week or two JR and I know I know you have you saw you saw them saw them versus the Ducks a, a, a couple of days ago. I you know what are what do we what do we got in this team? Are they are they good? <laughs> I think so. I think we got to let some time play out and see you know a month or two of of the Ducks before we make some sort of uh, evaluation of them. But I think out of the gate, really good. I mean, look at them. They're sitting there nine, four, and three, sixteen points. That's second in the Pacific. And Sean, I got to tell you. 
I watched a lot of that West Division last year with the different alignment that mm-hmm. Blues played out in the West. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you went out to uh, Anaheim, San Jose, LA, that was just a couple, three victories for you, put in the bag and, and come home. And and uh, Anaheim, you know, I don't think other than you look at uh, Trevor Zegras and to get excited about that team. Uh, but Troy Terry, who's been a good player, but to this year just just having an, a great season so far with that 14-game point streak you touched on. He scored a big goal. By the way, Ducks beat the Blues when the Blues went out there recently 4-1 to one and yeah. uh, and just really handled them. And and I think that uh, they've always had the goaltending. Um, and you obviously had Getzlaff, and for years you had Perry there with that strong core. But, uh, you know, I think they've – made some changes and, and, and drafted right, obviously, and, and things are starting to come together for them. So uh, real good start, but I think uh, we've seen teams, you know this, Sean, God, yeah. come out like this. Teams that you know, haven't been probably very good come out of the gate hot and, and kind of drift off, but uh, so far so good. Yeah, and there's reasons to be skeptical about about them, right? Some of their underlyings are, aren't good. Their expected goals share is, is, is not great, but I don't know, man. I'm, I've, I've said this before, but I'm just glad – personally to have a team in that 10 o'clock start window that's <laughs> that's worth watching because they're they're typically aren't enough and last year that was certainly the case right the west was a disaster um lots and lots and lots of bad teams i need i i personally need one of the california teams to be good but i don't care who it can be the Kings, it can be the Sharks, it can be the Ducks, like whatever. Just give me something half decent to watch like as I'm falling asleep at, at 10 o'clock. And to see the Ducks kind of phase into that over the last couple of weeks has been really cool. And I think a big part of it too, and this is one of my big takeaways for them is, you know, JR, you mentioned that they were, they were garbage last year, right? It was, it was you pencil in a win and, you know, move on, move on with your life. And I think that's sort of the approach that I took on them heading into the season. I know that's the approach that me and Dom did. I mean, to throw it back to power rankings, right? Where we're, we're half jerk offs in, in that, in that every single week, we love making fun of teams and, and whatever else. But the first few weeks, it was just like, ah, who, who, who gives a shit about the ducks? They're, they're one of the three or four worst teams in the league. We kind of had that carryover from last season. Right. But you know, you look at, you look at guys like Terry stepping up, you look at John Gibson, who maybe they keep now, everybody was treating as like a foregone conclusion that he was going to, that he was going to move on for, for some kind of package, some kind of future focus package. They're worth watching. And the wild part of it, JR, is that, uh, you know, we're, you, you were talking about this b- before the show, Trevor Zegers up until, up until that last game against Vancouver, when he had two goals and an, and an assist, it hasn't it hasn't been there for him, which is wild. I mean, he like the process is there. He looks great. The point production, you know, wasn't so for for them to do all this and for them to heat up, you know, the way that they have without, you know, number one a super prospect Trevor Zegers, the single biggest reason to be excited about them moving forward. For them to do all this without him, I think is I think is I think is really interesting. Yeah, ninth overall pick a couple years ago, 2019. He's got four goals in 14 games this season, but mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned, went a little spell without, uh, I think, five games without a point, and that's during this seven-game yeah. streak for the Ducks, so getting it done uh, without him. Kind of funny to think uh, a 20-year-old going through a slump. Do you even call that a slump, Sean? When, Is that uh, fair? Yeah. <laughs> I'm 35. If I if it, if I go through two weeks where, where, I, where I only write dog shit, I, I don't want it to be called a slump. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too young for that. It's not fair. Yeah. I don't know. Can, can 20 years, can 20 year old slump? I don't, I don't think so. 
I always wondered about that, like when I write stories over the years about the the blues games, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe it's a star player, maybe it's a second tier guy, but he'd go like, uh, you know, four or five games without a goal. And we'd say, you know, scoreless and four. And it's like, you like, know what, like, what am I, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to score. <laughs> like you can, you can, you can have a shooting percentage dip over, over six games where you're doing everything right. It's like even the best goal scorers on earth are at 17 or 18%. Like they're not, they're not all going to go in. And I think that's tough. That can be tough to understand, right? And like you, it's completely normal to go through five or six games where, where the production isn't there, especially, especially when you're 20. But uh, dude, I, I watched, I watched uh, a chunk. I was, I was dumb luck. I watched live that bazooka he shot from, from the top of the circles against, uh, against Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I realized that he had that, he had that club in his bag, right? Like he's a, I didn't either. I know he's a, he's a, he's a lot of fun to watch. And so are they shout out to ducks fans. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for, sorry on, on Craig's behalf for kind of, for kind of ignoring you guys over the first month of the season. You're fun. Thank you. Give me something to watch. Hey, John, Give me something to watch. John, you, think, you think LA fans want a shout out too? Yeah. I know that. Yeah, uh, baby. Let's do it. Seven, two and one in the last 10. So maybe two teams out there to watch. That wasn't, that was another one. I kind of, I kind of screwed up. I, uh, you know, everyone was focused on, you know, some, some of their younger players, whether it's Quentin Byfield or whatever guys, guys who haven't quite, you know, Byfield's hurt. There's there a couple other high, the higher profile guys haven't been there, but man, that team is so young. Um, guys like, you know, Kaliev and, uh, God, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to think Gabe, Gabe Velarde and, and, uh, you know, play, players like that. They're so young, man. Tobias Bjornfoot, he's like, he's like 15 years old. Like the Cavalry's, <laughs> the Cavalry's there. And it seems like, and it seems like it's happening, even though they're completely crushed by injuries out elsewhere. But yeah, man, they're, they're fun to watch. Like I said, just give me, give me a couple good teams on the, on the West coast to, to kill time on watching. I'll be I'll be a, I'll be a happy guy. I kill time. You mean that? <laughs> I don't know. What you're, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I, I so I honestly I uh, I've been I've been pretty good with that. I've been pretty good with that. I've I've uh, started betting on the Oilers to to overcome third period deficits. That's like that's like my <laughs> that's like that's like my hack. We don't, and we don't. And of course, that team doesn't exist because they play in Edmonton, and who cares? Um. <laughs> The other the other thing that happened last night that I thought was interesting, Ron Francis, <laughs> he's uh he's pissed. <laughs> he's uh he's saying that the Kraken have found a way to lose. Uh, felt that goaltending and defense would give us a chance in each game. Uh, you know they're four ten and one. I think a lot of people are frustrated with them. Um, and France had a little bit of a vent session, right? He's he goes, I think the expected goals against is the big discrepancy from where we thought it would be. And it seems to be different things on different nights. You know, he's not subtly throwing the goaltenders under the bus. And I'm willing to do that even farther. You know, you have Philip Grubauer. He signs for, signs for six years, $6 million. Leaves, leaves the Avs. He's like Seattle's, Seattle's big ticket item, right? He's the single biggest reason that people thought that they were going to be able to you know, maybe not contend on a Vegas level, but sort of be the poor man's Mark Andre Fleury. They were never going to be a great offensive team, but the thought was, you know, they built a pretty good defensive core. They have a, you know, a Vesna finalist, a Vesna finalist in net, and he's been the worst goalie in the league. <laughs> he's got eight eighty through through twelve games. Chris Drieger hasn't been much better. Um, 
I don't know, man. There's a there's a lot of people that are that are frustrated <laughs> with Seattle already, including including their GM. I thought it was kind of funny that that that, that bubbled over last night. Yeah, Sean, it feels like the early 2000s. When's the last time we saw an expansion team actually struggle? Actually be bad? I don't know. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. Who is, who, is the, who is the worst of those, of that, of that round? I'm trying to think. The, I, the, the Predators were horrific. I know they I know they were awful. Blue Jackets, yeah. Blue Jackets were bad. I mean. Before that, you had Blue Jackets wild. I, those teams were all, those teams were all trash. And, and it, in the, in the, the market suffered, right? That's why that's why we've gone through what we've gone through with Vegas and Seattle. Like the NHL is like, we're putting these teams in these cities. <laughs> better better try to make them good. I mean, the the excitement level in Seattle at least is is such where you know it's not going to matter this year. And it and also in fairness, it could it could easily turn around, right? Philip Grubauer was good was good for a bunch of years. Goalie play is is wild. I think the odds of him finishing the season with an 880 save percentage are, are, are pretty low. No, he'll, he'll be better. And I think that they could be a little bit better, but you know, let's, let's, let's honestly answer that question. Was mm-hmm. that the right decision to go with Grubauer in that with that expansion team, bringing those guys together? You know, I, I think that Sackick has done a tremendous job in Colorado. Obviously he had a big ticket guy in Landeskog to sign. He was only going to go so high with Grubauer. And, and once that, got a little bit out of control. He was willing to move on and now look at him. You know, I know they've scuffled a little bit the first month of the season, uh, but you know, I'd take Kemper at four or five and granted it's the last year of his contract. I'd take him at four or five over long-term uh, Grubauer any day. hundred percent. I don't want goalies signed to six year contracts, right? Like you need to be ultra, ultra elite, you know, uh, Vasilevsky level or, or, or something similar to, to get that kind of commitment. That's just, that's just the way it is. And if you're Seattle, I, I think, JR, I, th- I think you make a good point. I think, you know, the discussion yesterday sort of centered on, okay, this team by, by stat projection, by a lot of stat models was supposed to be better, better than what, better than what, uh, overall better than what they are, but they're basically at the level in terms of offensive production and whatever else they're where, stats folks had them pegged at the start of the season and they're getting sunk by goaltending, right? So that was sort of the lens that this discussion was happening in yesterday. And that's understandable to an extent. I think the bigger question for me, at least is did they blow the expansion draft? Like, yes, yes. They built a half decent offensive team and found and found Philip Grubauer, you know, in free agency, but it's still, in the moment, it didn't feel like they were doing the right thing, and certainly the results. When you when you pin the hopes of your first season on Philip on your goalie being elite, I feel like you were you're there was always going to be the potential that something like this happened, right? So to see them, you know, not use cap space the way that we thought it would, and to see like how crazy the asking prices were in terms of trying to do, you know. Vegas pick acquisitions and whatever else and to see the amount of money that they tied up in players who are in their late 20s and kind of in the in the decline that's the questionable stuff I don't think that roster is terrible it's just a matter of it's but in terms of asset management and in terms of starting with a blank slate and choosing to do that I think it was questionable at the time and it's certainly questionable now because like we said they're the whole model hinged on Grubauer being really good right and he's been about as far from as far from that as possible. 
Yeah, and we're we're you know a month and a half into their inaugural season, so you know, did we expect them to be first in the in the conference? No, um, you know, I think a couple things to give them a little bit of credit, and this isn't you know saying this because of what you were saying, but um, you know, I think the bar was raised with Vegas, so now everybody thinks that you're going to be able to come out of the gate, and then secondly, I think that. GMs wisened up and that's been dissected to death, right? So their GMs weren't willing to Absolutely. do what, what the expansion team was going to ask. But but I will say along the lines with what you were saying, Sean, is uh, the asking prices were just way too high. Yeah, and come down. You know, it, it, the, the market wasn't the same during the time that it was with Vegas coming into the league. And, and so I think it's, let's just use the housing market, you know, could you get you know, three fifty for your house at this point, yeah. But a couple years later, do you have to take three ten? You know, maybe. <laughs> like, I, right. I think that I think that maybe uh, some more productive things could have been done. You know, had had the prices been better. But man, to go through that second expansion draft in just a few years' time and and watch that, you know, it just looked like Seattle wasn't able to a- accomplish as much as Vegas was, in part for the reasons I just mentioned. Uh, but uh, you know, I just don't know that it got them off on the same foot. That, uh, definitely, Vegas. definitely. And look, I, I don't think either of us is ex- was expecting to see like the Dale Talon uh, gift basket get sent to Seattle, right? Where where he just wraps up a first line and a bunch of and a bunch of picks basically, and says like, "Here you go." For reasons that still seem baffling me, that was that was never going to be on the table. Like GMs are GMs are, too, are at least smart enough not to not to do that. Certainly. I think where the fault lies in, in Francis is that he set his asking prices insanely high and did not come off them as whatever, maybe part of the old Brian Burke, like you set your price and that's your price. And if you, if you deviate from that price, like people are going to sense weakness and that's going to be, you know, the book on you for, for, for however long I get that to an extent, but yeah, uh, demanding, you know, whatever <laughs> two first round picks for Mark Giordano or whatever, whatever, whatever crazy stuff. We all, we, we all heard they were, that they were pulling. That's just cutting off your nose to spite your face and they're paying for it now. Right. Because there's not, they don't have that raft of assets. They don't have like a, a truly ready-made contender roster in their big swing. Grubauer is sort of, sort of uh, coming up short. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know we're 12 games in or whatever, but I think people see, you know, a, a save percentage starting in eight, right, for the face of the franchise so far. And you're just like, ooh, brother. Yeah, and not, and not to pile on, Sean, but I mean, this isn't, as you mentioned, this isn't a, a three-year deal. This is a six-year deal. Crazy. So, you know, is he going to be the Seattle goaltender in six years? Who knows? Probably not. But um, nonetheless, you know, that's that's the situation for the next six years on the books. Congrats to the Colorado Avalanche for for dodging that bullet, apparently, right? You mentioned, you mentioned Kemper earlier. He looks... He looks fine. I'll take a nine fifteen Darcy Kemper signed for three years versus versus you know overpaying for Philip Grubauer and potentially losing Gabe Landeskog and uh, and and what, what whatever else wasn't play there. Jared, what's what, what's going on in St. Louis? Is, is there any is there any interesting interesting stuff happening happening around the Blues? But before we, before we wrap up this first segment here. Yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, they're getting a couple guys back from COVID pretty soon. I, I got to tell you about Tory Krug. Tory Krug uh, came over from Boston as a free agent. Tough uh, first year in St. Louis last year, uh, but he's been dynamite this year. He's been mm-hmm. one of their, their better players. So he should be back from COVID. And uh, the big news in the weekend, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to Justin Falk about it, is that uh, Scott Perinovich, the Hobie Baker winner from a couple of years ago, 
he is going to, I think, make his debut. He's been called up. I think he's going to make his debut with the Blues uh, tonight. And for those who don't know much about Brenovich, a uh, smaller guy, 5'10", maybe buck 80, but he gets it done. Love it. Could have made, made the team out of, out of camp, Sean, uh, but they sent him the American Hockey League, and uh, he goes down there and he puts up 20 quick points, uh, most by a defenseman in the a- a- AHL to start out the year, and, and so he'll get a look tonight. And uh, by the way, I think he's staying with – Justin Fox, I'll be living at the Falk household. Right. Up with the- I thought I, I thought that was a really good answer from Justin. You know where he talked about <laughs> he talked about how, how you know that Prenovich made it hard on hard on uh, Doug Armstrong and and, and Brube coming coming out of camp. Right. He, he looked he looked good. We're again a month into the season. It didn't it didn't take long. We got to see if we can get you to Duluth. We got we, we got to send you to, to to Duluth to do like a future scouting. <laughs> some some scouting on future blues because this this the Duluth the St. Louis pipeline apparently apparently is uh is is paying off here. Yeah, after a long hiatus because I uh, remember uh, Brett Hall went there. Yeah, so, baby. Uh, yeah, so you, you got Holly and then and then now you got these guys. That's awesome. Well, we're gonna we're gonna send it over to to our interview with Justin Falk. He was he was really good on on a lot of on a lot of different stuff. I think the Blues are are a pretty are a pretty interesting team, and he had some he had some good stuff to say about about everything going on in St. Louis with uh, with my partner here, who's is, is the best person to talk to about that sort of stuff. So we got Justin Falk, uh, and then we'll get back to you, finish up with some, with some uh, subscriber comments, everybody's favorite from the apps, from the podcast section of the app. So in, enjoy, and we'll see you on the backside. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, we're pleased to be joined by Justin Falk of the St. Louis Blues. Unfortunately, we don't have the video feed going, so we can't see Justin. We can't see we can't see the mustache. You have one of the best Movember looks that I've seen, man. It's it's uh it's serious. We're be, we're being deprived of that. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I didn't originally know. I guess that it was a Zoom call, so I wasn't really planning <laughs> ahead for this. So uh, not not able to work out right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, just let me grow. Is that just, is that just 15 days of growth? Like, were you clean shaven on Halloween or, or, or whatever? Like, is, is that, uh, is it, is, is that what you're no, working with? It's pretty impressive. All right. So you're, uh, you would have, you, 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 you would have base to start with. All right. I gotcha. Yeah. I needed it for Halloween. So, um, <laughs> it was already full go. And then, uh, I've done it before where I, uh, gave it fresh to start um it doesn't grow in that fast to be honest with you uh it takes a little bit yeah. of time just a slow start but 
Yeah, I uh, needed a little head start this year with uh, Halloween. Well, what was the what, what was the Halloween costume? Um, I was Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's yeah, great. So That's needed, great. Well, rather than getting a fake mustache, I just figured I'd use my own. You had the glasses and the nose and everything, Justin. <laughs> uh, yeah, tried doing it the uh, best I could. <laughs> Hey, another thing uh, without having the video here, you guys can't see that I'm wearing a camouflage hat and I, I'm kind of doing it for Justin. You know, Sean, he's an outdoors guy. Sometimes he shows up at the at the press conferences wearing a lot of camo. He's, you know, Minnesota guy. So, Justin, you're outdoors. I think if I had to pick a, a blues player to be my survivor winner, I think you might be it. Do you fit that description? or? Um, uh, it's all right. I mean, I don't like go on... Uh camping trips with like just an ax, you know, and uh, <laughs> try and figure it out from there. Um, but uh, I think I do all right outdoors. I, I don't, uh, like I said, I don't have too much experience in doing the kind of survival part of it, but I like to be outside. I, I enjoy it. I um, enjoy everything that comes, comes along with it. You know, I, weather doesn't really bother me, but um, anything that I can do to, to kind of be outside is, uh, is a lot of fun to me. You know, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, the uh, the reception that you received in Carolina the other night, the uh, the video tribute, very well deserved. And look, we've seen a lot of those mm-hmm. around the league, and they all look pretty touching. But I think everybody got the feels out of watching you. What was that experience like for you going back to Carolina? It was fun. You know, I was, I was able to see a couple couple guys the night before. I know Carolina played. So I saw uh, some older players or one of the older players I used to play with and, and another guy that worked for the team. Um, and then after the game, I was able to catch up with a few, couple more people for a second before we uh, shut it down and uh, went to bed. But um, just the, the experience of being able to go back, I, I enjoyed my time there. Uh, I like the city. Um, you know, I, I don't have any complaints about living there and playing there and whatnot. So uh, to, to get to go back and, and spent some time there was was great. Uh, obviously, as a group, we would have preferred to win the game, and I definitely would have liked that. Um, but that, that's the way it goes in hockey. Just you know, but like I said, my experience uh, going back there was uh, enjoyable. Yeah, it's a it was a reminder of how long you were there, right? Like I got you. You look at it; it's like seven, eight, nine years. I mean, that's a that's a big chunk of your life. You went from a you went from a, from a college kid to a to a to a full blown adult while while you're in Carolina, I'm sure that's a that's it's got to have some added kind of uh, added kind of meaning to go back to a place like that. Yeah, I had to find a way to grow up a bit. I started there at 19 years old and um, kind of had to figure some stuff out. Right, uh, right. No, right. Everyone's still pretty pretty ripe and uh, wet behind the ears at that age. So um, it was it was a good place for me to kind of grow up a bit and uh, kind of find my path. You know, it's an easy place to live. It's not hard. It's not taxing on young guys or anything. It, it You know, it's easy to get around. There's nothing nothing that's going to make your life more difficult by living there. Um, and so, you know, as a young guy, that, that was, was probably good for me. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not that, I, you know, eight years, it's not, it's a pretty long time. It's not, you know, Super, super long time in terms of playing summer hockey. You know, plenty of players have played summer a long time, but 
you know, I think with the teams we had, we had a lot of turnover. So there was only a couple of us that actually had pretty long tenures that I ended up playing with. And um, for a team that's, you know, only been in the league 20, what, 22 years now, maybe something like that. 20, I don't even know, 23, 24, whatever it is, it's, you know, they haven't had a, a ton of players spend a ton of time there. So um, it's, it's maybe a little bit different in a sense that I spent uh, maybe a bigger percentage of time there than, than others. And then Sean, I can kind of pick up the story from there being the blues beat writer. He gets traded to St. Louis, you know, tough first year. I can't imagine the adjustment, Justin, we've spoken about that, you know, Petrangelo leaves and you've got the long-term contract. You and I spoke on the phone. We did a story. You were open and honest. You said, look, I didn't play well. I know I can play better. And ever since then, you've been, you know, an all-star. Now you're an Olympic candidate. Just if you could point to one thing, I know it's getting back to yourself and playing the way you're capable, but is there something that allowed you to kind of get back on track and, and be that top-notch player? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I just I, it's not like that ever, like, lost. I lost that. Mm-hmm. feeling or belief I guess in my own head um, I mean I think players go through stretches sometimes where they're not feeling it or they're not comfortable in certain situations or whatever it might be and then um, you know you kind of get over that hump and and figure it out and sometimes it's just mental you know it, it's um, getting comfortable like I said in, in what you're doing or being asked to do and then uh uh, also at the same time, kind of just like saying, screw it, like whatever, you know, just forgetting that, you know, if, like I said, you're going to have times where you don't play well and you need to be able to flush that. Um, you know, sometimes it wears on guys a little bit longer than, than others, or, you know, even yourself once in a while, you can flush bad games quick or, you know, there's otherwise once in a while you go on a little stretch of, of rough hockey, but. Um, no, I, I don't think there's one thing in particular, just kind of myself, uh, you know, and I got to, you know, start enjoying this, have fun. Uh, it's just, you know, just hockey realistically, it's nothing that I haven't done before. And, um, so I was able to kind of just focus in and, and enjoy it. Got to be excited to see Tory Krug back at practice, right? I mean, you, you, you guys had a good thing going there before he, he ended up on the shelf. I saw you worked out today. Uh, what was it? Cause, cause you guys said you watch, watch you guys play. You look at the numbers. It, it seemed like that was, it seemed like that was clicking early. So I don't know if the, you know, is there something about playing with him that, you know, that, uh, that just kind of makes stuff gel right for you? Um, I, I think we, we both understand the game in kind of similar fashions. Um, you know, I think both are pretty comfortable with, with trying to make plays, uh, and plays with the puck. And, and honestly, probably, for the most part, neither of us have really played with uh, a partner that also likes to do that a ton in their career. You know, I think uh, there's definitely times that in my career where I, I played quite a bit of uh, a few years and, and quite a bit of time with guys that maybe sit back a little bit more and, and aren't looking to jump in the rush. And I, I think the same or the same was for Tori. Um, so being able to play together, I think, uh, we both have been through that and see the other side of it and, and can kind of get that same feel enough of when to go, when the other guy might go. Um, and, and I think, you know, we played quite a bit of time together last year. And, and as you do that, you develop that chemistry and you're able to kind of evolve as a, as a pair and uh, get that sense and, and feel of, 
uh, what each other is going to do out there. Sean, the other big news besides Krug skating uh, early in the week here for the Blues is that uh, Scott Brinovich has been recalled. <laughs> and, you know, Justin, we've spoken to you about him. Good young prospect. What did you see from him in camp? And as he comes up, you know, we don't know if he's in the lineup yet. But what kind of advice would you have for a young guy coming in and uh, showing what he's got? Yeah, I think I think he was very dynamic in, in training camp. I think he put a good foot forward. Um, you know, he he made probably you know I'm not going to put words in Doug's mouth or anything or the coaching staff, but um, I would assume he made it made it a tough decision and made it hard for them to send him down. Um, he came in, he played well. Um, you know, and he, he showed up, he worked hard and that's really all you can ask for a young guy. And, you know, he hadn't played in a while with COVID and then his injury last year. So I think, um, going down and get some games and, you know, I haven't watched any games. Anyone can Google and, and see how he's doing points wise or whatever. And we all know that he's doing very well with that. So I, I think he, you know, from the outside looking in, it, it looks like he's, uh, kind of carried over that training camp. Uh, into games down at Springfield and then, um, you know, going on any advice. I mean, I, it's, I don't think anything you say to a guy it, it, when they're coming up for the first time, maybe playing the first, first game, I, I don't even know if they'll process what you're saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's probably nerves that are going to be involved, excitement, um, whatever it might be you know, family reaching out, friends reaching out. It's kind of a whirlwind, I think, for guys. Um, so, I mean, the best advice that I can give and try to give is just enjoy it. It's the only time it's really going to happen that way. And, um, you know, do whatever you got to do to enjoy it. <laughs> and, uh, hmm. If that's talk to everyone and pat everyone's back or, you know, whatever, say thanks to everyone. Sure, if it's maybe ignore them for a day or two <laughs> and let it calm down, that, <laughs> that's fine too. Just, just do what you got to do. Enjoy the enjoy the fun of it. Uh, it's an exciting time, and uh, yeah, hopefully he uh, carries that success over. Justin, you're a teammate, so you don't have to know the stats, but we're sports writers, so I can tell you two goals, eighteen assists, and he leads all AHL defensemen with uh, twenty points. So he's doing pretty good. That's uh, that's a pretty good start. It looks like. <laughs> and, and Sean uh, Scott Prinovich lived with uh, Justin Falk at, at times. Uh, Justin, is he going to come stay with you now that he's coming up, or are you? kicking him into a hotel or something uh it sounds like he's going to be making an appearance at my house tonight so um, <laughs> perfect i think uh for now i think he's going to stay with me again for for a bit and we'll see what happens here now you got the you got the duluth to st louis pipeline in place that's that's how it's that's how it's supposed to work you're gonna take it take care of the younger dudes right yeah uh makes it a little easier for guys i think and uh you know one last thing of on his plate to worry about, uh, trying to figure out what uh, subway you want to go to for lunch or dinner or something, sit in the hotel, <laughs> so <laughs> make it a little easier. Is that the boat you were in in Carolina? Like, did you, were, did you have to fend for yourself or was, or was there someone else you stayed with when you were, when, when you were down in Raleigh at the start? Uh, I was in the hotel for quite a while, uh, probably about two, two months or so. I think oh I, God. roughly I was in a hotel. Um, just kind of chilling, hanging out. Uh, but then, uh, one of the guys, Anthony Stewart, um, mm -hmm. he lived like a couple blocks up the road from the hotel or from the hotel. So I ended up actually going over to his house quite a bit, uh, for dinner. He had me over 
more than more than enough times and uh, took care of me pretty good. What? So you had you had all the carry North Carolina cookouts staked out and stuff, right? Like you knew you knew what you knew what was what. You had the 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 fast the fast food map planned out. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you tend to you tend to know where everything is and uh, <laughs> what the easiest options are. No kitchens in those hotels, so you're slim picking. <laughs> Brutal. Hey, give us a uh, Craig Bruby story. I mean, he strikes me as he can go both ways in terms of a player's coach, but yet he doesn't put up with any BS. He's demanding. Just your thoughts on Craig Bruby and how he's able to keep tabs on this team. Any stories that stick out? Uh, I don't think there's any like significant stories that, that stand out. I mean, yeah, he's demanding. He, you know, he, uh, he expects hard work. Uh, he expects you to compete. Um, and that, that's kind of the bottom line. I think that that's what's demanded. And, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, I think people sometimes think that that's uh, tough and, um, you know, hard on guys, whatever that might be. But uh, personally, I, I don't think that, like, that shouldn't even be a question. So, um, <laughs> you know, if, if that's all what your coach is asking and of a guy, or of teams and players and whatnot. I, I think I don't see how there's anything to kind of uh, go against that. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's what you want and, and you wouldn't want your coach to, to ask for anything else. And then, um, you know, the players coach thing, I, I think, you know, I, people don't see what goes on inside the room. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. I think Greg does a great job of, um, getting a feel for how guys are doing, you know, it's, it's something simple, but, you know, just asking how you're doing, how your family's doing, whatnot, you know, I think you can see that he cares uh, about you as a person too. Um, And it's not just show up, uh, do your work, which is what, you know, we do, but um, you know, there's another side to him that he, you know, he knows that you have a life outside of hockey uh, and that it's um, important as well. And so that he, you know, he's, he's always checking to see how guys are doing and and everything's good at home. So, um, you know, you can have the players coach side of it. And at the same time, you can have the demanding side of it, which, uh, like I said, if it's comes down to just working hard and competing and, and showing up and doing your job, I don't see how that, uh, uh, you know, that's the base of everything you need to have. So it's it's great. You guys are still off to a pretty, a pretty impressive start. I know you had that eight one and one run there and, and all that. Is there any, is there one particular reason but behind that? Like, is that, is there one kind of lightning bolt, you know, uh, factor that kind of, that, that kind of led to that? Cause I, I know a lot of, a lot of people outside of St. Louis seem, seem like they're, they're a bit, they're a bit surprised from the, from the, uh, from, from the start you give you guys are off to. Well, I mean, I think you look at, you know, it's not taking anything away from our, our fourth line, but mm-hmm. look at the look at the top three lines. I don't see how there's like a ton of question. Um, I mean, we have possibly like three deepest lines. You know, I I don't think uh, I think everyone will agree that we don't have a absolute bonafide superstar, which um, seems to be the the flavor. You know, not flavor of the day, but it seems to be that people think that you need to have a superstar to, to have success in this league or like whatever it might be. And I think if you, you know, we've had, so has everyone else. So this isn't taking anything away from anyone else. 
uh, or them sending us, but with injuries and COVID and what, you know, we, we still haven't really had a full lineup uh, throughout the year. So I think you're kind of seeing that, that depth come through. Uh, it's been tested early already and uh, we've prevailed. So I, I don't, you know, like I said, we've stumbled a little bit in the last couple of games, but um, with that depth that we have in the D and the goalie, I, I don't think like to us, it's no surprise. It, it's, it's expected and it's, um, we, we know where we want to be and what we have to do to get there. But um, having that, that deep of team, I, I don't, you know, like I said, if we don't have a superstar, that's why people are, are surprised. That's, that's their own thought, but we can play three lines against any, anybody at any time. And that's, that's pretty tough to play against. Justin, you've played against star players your whole life, so nothing new. But just thinking back to Sunday night's game, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid had a couple special moments. But for the most part, you get you guys did a pretty good job defensively against them. You know, the rest of us, we just get to watch them on TV or live in person. Just what's the difference between you watching those guys on the highlight reels and then being on the ice with them? Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, well, Dreisaitl, I think, had one and two. Um, so yeah, that's a quiet night. three points. That is a quiet night. I was trying to give you that is a quiet night. Um, but I, wait, the difference between them is, you know, obviously maybe McDavid's a little bit more like noticeable, I guess, in a sense of the highlight reel goals and assists and whatnot of, of how he creates and he's so fast and so dynamic that you know there's no one else obviously no one else like him in the league but um and then dry is kind of i think a little bit more deceptive and uh like sneakier almost in a sense um uh, kind of different players but the, the differences between them and like any other player in the league is that they can do a lot more with a lot less um you know you look at their they're passing and where they find holes and gaps on the ice is um, they put themselves in good positions and, and it's um, they just read the game a little bit quicker than everyone make that play a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, you look at even some of the goals last night of where, where they came from and how they did it. it it's not that, you know, they blew past anyone and, and um, just absolutely exposed someone. It's like little, little spots that just created those goals and, um, little plays and, and it's just you know on the D side of things it, it's a it's a little can be like a millimeter you know whatever it's, it's just a small step uh, a stick length whatever it might be and that's all that they need so that's what makes it tough to play against those guys is that uh, they can just find the smallest amount of openings and whatnot and, and expose it well, yeah I mean we we saw that we saw the McDavid goal last week right where he blew past you know, it felt like eight eight dudes on the, on the ice for the Rangers. Is that how much how much highlight watching do you do, As, especially on him? Because he's he's in one of those stretches right now where it just feels like, you know, every other every other night he's he's leading he's leading Sports Center or, or 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 whatever. Like, is that is that a consideration? Like, do you are you going up against him? Like, okay, I don't I do, I don't want to get put on a poster here. I I don't want to end up on a on a, on a highlight on a highlight reel. <laughs> I mean. I've, I've been on them on the bad side, so you know, like, no, I don't think about that really because you know whatever I got the experience of it. Um, I mean, I I don't, me personally, I don't watch a ton of hockey. I don't, 
I don't see all the goals. You know, I don't turn on NHL Network in the morning um, and check all the highlights the night before. Sometimes I see stuff. I don't have social media, so I don't see a lot of it then. No, that's that's um, good anymore. Way to go! And so, <laughs> so I don't. You know, I, I mean, I watch hockey. We've watched the clips before. Uh, you know, the team shows video and stuff, and whatnot. But um, you know, I, I think if you if you sit there and watch highlights and you think like I can't let this happen to me, let this happen. You know, you still have to play the game. Like it's a read and react game. There's a feel to it. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't necessarily, when I do see stuff, I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I can't like let that happen to me. Right. It, you know, every situation is a little bit different. You just kind of got to, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, once in a while you're just hoping for the best and <laughs> hoping it doesn't happen to you, but, uh, I don't necessarily take the highlights into thoughts on how I play the game. That's great, man. Yeah. You got a, got a, got a game coming up against Arizona. This, this is going to post on Tuesday. Uh, You'll be, be probably probably be back with Tori Krug, like we said. So, good luck, good luck out there tomorrow, man. I appreciate the time and uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Have a good day, fellas. Uh, Jared, that was good stuff from Falk, right? You you know better than anybody. The Blues are coming into a pretty uh pretty crucial stretch of their stretch of their schedule. They're starting to get healthy. They're in, inching back to it, and it seems like he's a pretty crucial part. Yeah, Sean, I didn't want to relive it too much uh, with him, but uh, that first year in St. Louis was tough. And, you know, the fans mm-hmm. were down on him. But one story that I'll never forget, I, you know, I, I talked to him and he said, look, I follow sports. I'm a sports fan. I'm a Vikings fan. When the Vikings sign a guy and he doesn't pan out, I'm frustrated too. He said, so I know how the Blues fans feel. And so that second season in St. Louis, you know, was just so much different for him. Uh, and he and he stepped up and he played well and and like I said like he's not far off on 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 a chance to be on that Team USA Olympic team I think he's in that conversation um, so it's good for him he's a quiet guy like you said he's not a social media guy he's kind of a private guy uh, but he he stuck to his business and you're always going to miss an Alex Petrangelo I think on your team but for what kind of player Justin Falk is and I think he plays bigger than his size I think he. He can play both ends. He can do a lot of different things. Uh, Justin Falk has become a real key contributor for this Blues team. And I've never seen anything like it in 15 years, how the fans just completely did a 180. And now they're wild, right? Yeah, I think there's a group of fans. I don't think they're in St. Louis, but they're called the Falketeers. <laughs> the Falketeers. <laughs> I don't know. If those are carry. That's like carryover from Raleigh or whatever. But yeah, I, I saw those. I saw those guys doing the Jersey retirement stuff. That's pretty. That's pretty great stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that forward depth too, right? Because that's something that, you know, even historically the the Blues aren't particularly known for. <laughs> but you see those you see those top three lines, and you're like, all right, this has this has a chance to work. This is a good this is a good group of guys. So, yeah, I was trying to get him to bring that up specifically, and he didn't he didn't disappoint. He'd know he goes against them in practice every day, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 he's right there. And I know the Blues have kind of had to change things up a little bit because of the COVID cases, and also uh, because of a, an injury or two. Uh, but you look at that third line, and for a lot of the season, it's been Ivan Barbashev, who I think is one mm-hmm. of the more underrated players in the league. Then you got Robert Thomas. He's up to you know, 12, 13 assists now. And then uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, who all he's doing is scoring game-tying goals in the third period these days. So uh, it's it's real good depth, like you touched on. Vladimir Tarasenko, I think I've, I think I've heard of him. The name rings a bell. All right. Again, all summer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh boy, we got a Vladimir Tarasenko beat writer, Jeremy Jeremy Rutherford here. All right. Thanks again to Justin. We'll be uh, we'll be back in a minute to close it up with some of your reader comments from the Athletic app.
It's always the best part of every week. So stick around and we'll talk to you in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, JR, something Craig and I like to do because we're sadists, I guess, <laughs> sadists. We try to get listeners to comment on the app, on our individual episode page on the app, which again, if you open the athletic app uh, and go to listen and then and then find, and listen and then NHL and then, and, it, and then the athletic hockey show and then our individual episode page you can leave comments and ask questions and whatever and i think there's we a comment section i did you know that oh, i know right. I, uh, craig, I craig, dude craig pointed it out to me a month ago and i i was shocked i think i i only learned how to find it now because i knew he was out this week so i knew someone was gonna have to and i wasn't gonna wasn't gonna put you through that but no people are people are having fun we got some good ones this week i'm not gonna run through all of them because a lot of it's just you know bs bs for me and craig but eileen was the first. And she says, as of 11.09, granted, this is a week ago, Rick Bonus is still the coach of the Dallas Stars. How? <laughs> They're the only team left without a win in regulation. What more needs to happen for him to get fired? And we're we're a week out from that. Uh, they've won a game. <laughs> right? I don't know. They're 4-4-2 four, four and two in, in, their, in their last 10. We saw, God, we saw them sacrifice Blake Como to the waiver gods. Last week, I don't know, man. I, I think, I think they're still they're still white knuckling it there and hanging on for dear life. the The, the hope there is always going to be that they recapture whatever they found two years ago. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. I think you just got to just cross your fingers and hope Rupe Hints, you know, shoots better than three than three percent or whatever. If some of those some of those some of those goals start going in for for those guys, I think stuff will get. Stuff, stuff will get better quickly, but yeah, it was bad a week ago. It still seems like it's pretty bad. Jr., I don't know if you've seen them at all at, at all this year. Have, have you seen any Dallas? Have, have the Blues played Dallas yet? Yeah, a little bit, and they're going to play them a couple times uh, coming up. Look, Rick Bonus, obviously a guy who's revered and you know, mm-hmm. well respected, uh, you know, and so to take nothing away from him, look, they made that that run uh, in part because he was able to pull them together, and you know, it's been a team I've watched them for years of you know inconsistent producers, right and. And so to be able to to put that run together, I think was was terrific. But I think it does beg or ask the question, Sean, doesn't it? I mean, it just seems like sometimes you get a interim guy and they have yep. that success, and you feel like you have to uh, reward him. And uh, you know, obviously he was deserving of it. And, and Jim Nell, to me, he's he's one of the best. I really respect him. And and so they get that deal done, and and now he's in the seat, and and now they're struggling. But you know, I'm not close enough to the situation to know. You know, not me neither. How obviously to blame? Yeah, but uh, obviously uh, tough to watch what they're going through. I'll say this from ten thousand feet. I thought he was going to be out last week, right? You see that there's a there's a players only meeting, and he can't, he was clearly pissed <laughs> that that was going on, and didn't want to talk about it all that much. And the results are just disastrous, and whatever else. So the fact that we're a week out from Eileen asking this question and he, and he still hasn't, you know, and, and, and there still hasn't been a move there. I think that's, I think that's kind of interesting. I was told, I was totally ready for it to, for, I assumed that it was going to happen last week. Um, 
Yeah, here I have a compliment for Craig's book. We don't we don't need to go. We don't read that, do we? No. Uh, thanks for recommending your book in this episode a couple weeks ago. Thoroughly interviewed it. Blah blah blah. blah you know, blah. I got to say, Sean, um, I had to text Craig. It was probably a year or two ago. So I go up to the local pure hockey store mm-hmm. uh, to get my son some equipment, and they've got this little shelf area with a bunch of hockey books. And you know, I had written a blues book, and I'm like, ah, oh, see if they got the book on the shelf here. And and I go over, and and there's no blues book, but there's mm-hmm. behind the bench with Craig Custance, you know, oh here in Louis, Missouri, sitting on the shelf. And, you, should have, uh, you should have turned it cover down. <laughs> So I had, to, I had to talk with the manager and they're no longer ordering that one. And, and long, gotta, long story short, uh, I had a quick conversation and <laughs> yes, you're no, no, no longer welcome in uh, greater St. Louis area, pure hockey. Yes. Um, the other, the other fun question that uh, Jared, I don't know if you have an opinion on this. This, this came up last week. We, we had a fan in the UK who was trying to figure out which team they should root for. Someone who was like new to oh. hockey was just like, I'm trying to pick, I'm trying to pick the right team. Um, and we, I don't know, we, we kicked that around for a, for a while, right? It feels like going with the abs would be boring. Um, you know, and then like, what else you pick a team, pick a team on the, on the downslope. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the, what the, what the ideal, <laughs> what the ideal NHL team to pick here is, but we have someone, we have someone, Efa's uh, Efa's commenting here. Her recommendation is to pick a team that has the afternoon weekend games, so you can actually watch them at a reasonable hour. So you got to. Oh, so you'd want all the East Coast bias team. Oh, did I say bias? Yeah. Oh, uh, mid Midwest bias, baby. Let's still, let's <laughs> let's start talking about that. But the other thing in in here, Jerry, is uh, we screw we screwed up Taryn. Well, we didn't screw up Taryn. Taryn Kachuk's last name. We were talking about the brothers and how and how we knew that and how we knew that the sister that that, that the youngest was an athlete too. And we whiffed on her name. <laughs> Jeff, thank God, bailed us out. And so shout shout out to Taryn Kachuk. But I screwed it up and said she played lacrosse when in fact she plays field hockey. Yeah, field hockey. Um, I know, God, I know, I know you've had a lot of conversations with Walt and a lot of conversations with with the family. Do we have a scouting report on Taryn Kachuk, uh, field, field hockey player? What's oh my what's, gosh. Her, what's her deal? Listen, Sean, she's the best athlete in the family. That's what that I heard. It, it, she is. She is. And so anyway, I've spent a couple days over there just doing interviews. And actually, I did one story on Taryn. They won the state championship uh, her senior year of high school. Actually, I think they won it a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, now she's in college playing uh, field hockey. And uh, it's funny. I got to tell you a quick one. So I'm over there doing it. interviews. I'm doing interviews with the whole family. And the whole story is going to be about Taryn. And then as I'm leaving, uh, Chantel their mom, uh, she knows that I got a little eight-year-old that plays hockey. So she says, Hey, Matthew Brady, um, we got some eight by tens. Can you guys sign them for Jeremy's son on his way out the door? And I said, Hey, that's nice. See, I really appreciate that. He'll love that. So Keith Kachuk, he's at the refrigerator, he's pulling out dinner and he looks and he (laughs) says, Hey, Taryn, can you believe that? He disguised this trip over here like he's doing an interview for a story about you. And all he came over to do is get the autographs of Matthew and Brady. (laughs) You're like you're, you're like you're like Taryn. Please, please sign this too. You can you, you can sign over Matthew and Brady's. Yeah, let's, let's get you let's get you involved with. Yeah, it's a guy. We we always love we always love track tracking the whereabouts and goings on with the with the Kachuk's family. I thought I thought Matthew had a really good line, really good line when he played in played in Ottawa a couple of days ago, where he was joking about Brady Brady getting the C first, but Brady knows who the captain is during the summer. You know, implying that it, that it was himself. And then he had he had the pause and was like, actually, it's probably that's probably it's it's probably my mom. He, yeah. he knows what 
he knows he, he knows that Chantel run runs stuff around there, right? She's the yeah. she, she she she's the boss. She Love she's it. the captain for sure. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you about Taryn. She's a chirper too. Like you sit there for Love an it. hour, and, you know, you think Matthew is a pest? <laughs> no, that's great. Taryn, Taryn's Perfect. got the liners too. <laughs> Love it, man. And we just have a, have a quick functional question from Matt M about about ESPN and TNT broadcasts. He says we got him the first few weeks of the season seem to have disappeared lately in favor of ESPN Plus only. Will they be back for later in the season? Uh, yes and no. I think is is probably is probably the best answer there. The ESPN broadcasts uh, are going to slide over. There's going to be a lot of Thursday nights moving forward. I know the October games were were all, were all on Tuesdays. Uh, when it comes back in January. On ESPN, it's going to be a lot of a lot of Thursday stuff uh, with some Tuesdays mixed in. So, condition yourself for that. Um, also, asks about Saturday or Sunday games of the week once football and NFL seasons are over. If that's going to be on ESPN or TNT, it's actually going to be on ABC. There's a there's a chunk of there's a chunk of ABC games that are that are going to be on Saturdays and Sundays um, after football season after football season ends. Um, but it's a good point by Matt too. He says it seems like the new TV deals were on the right track at first to get more eyes on the sport, but it seems like they're missing opportunities to grow interest in the game. And I, I think I think these deals are a it's a it's much 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 more good than bad for the NHL. Like you're you're, you're getting eyeballs on ESPN and TNT and whatever else. But yeah, I'm with you. I I think part of you know part of what you'd love to see moving forward is just some more games for fans to stumble on right like you just want to see more tonnage of games on Tuesdays and Thursdays so whenever random folks are flipping around it's like ah there's a random game on ESPN on a on a Wednesday night so that's that's a hope moving forward for sure yeah i'm always at the rink so i only mm-hmm. catch some of that stuff but to me it's it, there's been a lot more good than than bad oh, I, I, th- I think the coverage the blanket coverage totally. the games the visibility everything's been great the commentators the the studio Everybody's been good, man. I, I love I love ESPN Plus. I, I I know you're I know you're at the rink a lot more than I do but, than, than I am. But it's a good it's a good product. It's everything's everything's available in one way or another. Yes, you'd like to see maybe a few more games on on you know standard TV, but whatever. We'll take what we can get. It's certainly a better situation than than it was, than it was a couple years ago for for us and for the league. Um. So that's it. That's it for the comments, Jr. You got you got anything else you want to you want to throw throw in there before before we get out of here? No, thanks for having me. Thanks, uh, Craig, for being gone for the week, so I could jump yes. in here with uh, with Sean. Love it. And, Love uh, it. It's been a blast. You know, sometimes you get too fixated on the own your own team that you cover on a daily basis. Uh, wake up, go to the same practice every day. So to be able to do some homework and see how guys are doing around the league and, uh, and, and watch some of the speeches last night from the hall of fame. Thanks for having me kind of you kidding me was a chance for me to step back and talk about the league for a little bit. <laughs> I'm just glad to have someone who knows a lot about one specific team on, on this podcast, rather than two guys who just bullshit their way through knowing two, two bits about, of, about 32 teams. And, <laughs> and that's it. We got like actual valuable information for once. It's crazy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not used to it. That's way exaggerated. <laughs> hey, and if you could, you probably talk to Dom more than I do, but uh, <laughs> tell him from St. Louis Blues fans. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm gradually sliding into like my goal over the course of the next month is just be the is to just be the good guy for Blues fans, right? Like I, I want I, I want them to. I'm, I'm pitting myself against Dom so I can get some of that positive energy because. They hate they hate him and rightfully so. He leans into it. You can't control the kid. I'll say that. I'll I'll, I'll say something to him, but he's 
he, he's going to do what he's going to do. No, for sure. For sure. But they hate when they see on Twitter that he loses uh, a bet with the blues because they know a bad article is coming up. Absolutely. That's part of that's part of the fun. I just I'm is my my only goal for the blues is, is that they keep losing him money because that's that's all that's all I'm looking for. To me, that is a successful season for St. Louis is that is, is that they cost Dom a, a little bit of dough. That's really all I'm looking for. Yeah. All right. All right. This was this was awesome. Thanks for thanks for being here. I'm sure we'll have you back soon. Uh, this is on, this is is this the best podcast of the week? I think so. I think we still hold the belt, even though Brandon Duhame was on with uh, Michael Michael Russo <laughs> <laughs> on this week's episode of Straight from the Source. That's that's a, it's a, it's always great stuff with Russo. Always worth listening to. Is that the Minnesota guy? Uh, supposedly, supposedly. Yeah. I, I'm being, I have, I had all that last blurb actually, I had it piped into my ear. I was, if I wouldn't have said that, I would have gotten electrocuted by the powers that be here, <laughs> here at the athletic. We got to, we got to, got to kiss the ring on Russo always. <laughs> uh, and we got the Wednesday show. Listen to that. They're doing, they're doing a great job. It's Rob Pizzo from CBC sports, Jesse Granger, who's, who covers, who covers Vegas. And of course, Sarah Sivian covers, covers the hurricanes. They're on week five or six of, of the Wednesday show doing a, doing a great job. Always, always, always tons of fun. Um, and thanks for listening to us, right? I know we know you love the Tuesday show most of all. You don't have to say it. Uh, but if you have a free second, follow us on your favorite platform. Leave a five-star rating. We don't want four-star ratings. Craig and I have gone over this. If you're not going to rate us five stars, just take it, take it elsewhere. Uh, and of course, you can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus contents from our entire network. Can start with a 30-day free trial then it's 99 cents a month after that and also right now specifically you can get annual subscriptions to the athletic for just 3.99 a month when you visit the athletic.com hockey show it's the athletic.com hockey show if you don't subscribe please subscribe off of that it's pro- probably the best deal you got going also next week we got sean thornton shout out to producer jeff thornton wrote a book he's got a bunch of different stuff going on gonna be a blast to talk to him Will Craig be back for that? I hope so. Probably not, but oh yeah, I'm I'm in I'm I'm in good shape. That means I get another week off. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs>